You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. lusting after these women. He saw a woman that he liked and he had to have her as his wife. The pride of life. He was a king. Why shouldn't he have as many wives as he wanted? Pride of life. He got lifted up. Lust of the flesh. He was desirous. He had an appetite for ladies. He had an appetite for women. So he gathered them together. The character of the world expresses itself through the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These lusts seek to draw our own flesh into sin and into worldliness. Though common in David's culture, multiple wives was against God's heart for marriage. David acquired wives and had sons who caused heartache and trouble for David. Today, Pastor Dave will warn against following the culture and giving in to lust and desire. Each step, however minor, away from God's design, leads you down a dark path. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 3. As he begins his message, David begins a dark path. I want to continue on in our study of 2 Samuel. So we're going to be in 2 Samuel. We're going to start chapter 3. So if you will turn in your Bibles to chapter 3. I struggled with a title, and then I ended up on David Begins a Dark Path, and and you'll see why um, when we get to that uh, very, very quickly. So 2 Samuel chapter 3. We started studying And David had been anointed king by the men of Judah who finally recognized God's call upon his life. Meanwhile, in the northern part of the nation, Ishbaseth, Saul's remaining son, had been made king by Abner, his commander. The kingdom was divided at this time. Ten tribes in the north formed Israel, and two tribes in the south formed Judah. David at this time was only king of Judah. He was not king over the other nations. He will become king over the other nations. Israel will be united for a time being, and will be united until David's grandson, Rehoboam, comes into being, and then once again the nation split. There's a fierce battle that happened in chapter 2. There's a fierce battle. And then a long war began after that. And the term long war suggests that these hostilities towards one another lasted for almost two years. And even though there was a truce, it lasted for almost two years. If you'll remember correctly, after this skirmish, this fierce battle that they have, 12 and 12, they all kind of started beating up each other. And a guy by the name of Mashiel, Joab's brother, chased down Abner and was getting close to him. And there was this little tanglement there. But anyhow, Abner killed Ashkel, killed him. Joab, his brother, who is the commander of David's army, carried in his heart a desire for vengeance. And we're going to see this play out probably next week. But he desired vengeance for Abner 
because of the death of his brother Azahel. Now during this time, once again, David shows great patience. David really has a kind heart. He shows enormous patience as he waits on the promises of God. He knew it was God's plan to unify the nation. He knew that, I mean, when they left Egypt, when they left Egypt, you remember, and they got to Mount Sinai, God said that they would be his, their, his people and he would be their God. And he wanted a united people. He wanted the people who were united. This didn't happen. There was fighting and infighting. But he wanted one nation with David as king. That's what the Lord wanted. And David knew this, so he was extremely patient. And while the government in Hebron was getting stronger and stronger, which was David's, the house of Saul got weaker and weaker. Let's read chapter 3, verse 1. It's going to say the same thing I just paraphrased. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Now, as we looked at this, as I looked at this, I like to apply things spiritually if I can. And I hope I'm not splitting hairs. But I looked at this spiritually. We've talked a little bit about this in weeks past. If you try to apply this spiritually, we see that the house of Saul is a symbol of the flesh. It's a symbol of self. While the house of David is a picture of Christ. We said that, that David at times is a type of Christ. We've spoken about how often that war is raging within our soul. Spirit against the flesh. Paul says they're at enmity with one another, the spirit and the flesh. This is going to continue until the Lord comes and gets us or he takes us home. And that's a promise that you probably don't have in your refrigerator. But this war in our bodies will continue until the Lord comes for us in the rapture or takes us home through the valley of the shadow of death. But the house of Saul, the house of self, the house of flesh grows weaker and weaker as we, in turn, draw closer and closer to God. As we draw closer and closer and closer to God, our flesh actually becomes weaker. As the house of self grows weaker and as we draw closer to the Lord, God grows stronger and stronger in our hearts. Have you ever heard it this way? Whichever we feed the most will be the strongest Whatever we feed the most will be the strongest. If you're feeding to the flesh, your flesh is going to rear its ugly head and be quite strong. If you're sowing to the Spirit, if you're feeding the Spirit, your spirit is going to be stronger. Your spirit is going to be much stronger. But yes, there will be setbacks. Make no mistake about it. But he who began the work in us will be faithful to complete it. Our God is faithful to accomplish that which he started in you. And that is where our confidence is. Our confidence is, is that he will do that because he's placed his Holy Spirit in you and greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We need to feed that spirit that is within us. And even though there may be some discouraging times along the way, you might even backslide. You might even fall back into a sin. And even though this may be discouraging, if we draw close to God, if we seek first the kingdom, we will get stronger and stronger in our faith. And our flesh will become weaker and weaker. That which you feed the most becomes the strongest. As David's strength grew, unfortunately, so did his appetite for women. 
And also, when he had an appetite for women, his family grew also. He was becoming like the other eastern monarchs. He was gathering a harem. All the other eastern monarchs had a harem. He was gathering a harem. When he moved to Hebron, he had two wives, and now he has six. And each one of his wives now has given him a son. Let's look at verses 2 to 5. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Ammon by Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess. His second, Chilib by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, the son of Mecca, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. The fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith. And the fifth, Shephahathiah, the son of Abtiel. The sixth, that guy, by David's wife, Eglah. These were born to David in Hebron. What do we see here? We see David starting down a dark path. He displays a weakness here that will ultimately lead him into the sin that he's the most well known for. The fall with Bathsheba. David begins to move towards a dark place. He began to add wives. He began to add concubines. And when I looked at this, I said, this is none other exhibited by David, that which 1 John 2.16 calls lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He was lusting after these women. He saw a woman that he liked, and he had to have her as his wife. The pride of life. He was a king. Why shouldn't he have as many wives as he wanted? Pride of life. He got lifted up. Lust of the flesh. He was desirous. He had an appetite for ladies. He had an appetite for women. So he gathered them together. The character of the world expresses itself through the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These lusts seek to draw our own flesh into sin and into worldliness. These three things... These are the same three things that took Eve down. When she saw the apple, she knew she couldn't eat from the tree, but when she saw the apple, she lusted after it. Eyes lusted after it. The pride, I want to be like God, I'll know right from wrong. And the idea behind the pride of life is someone who lives for superior honor over others by impressing others towards outward appearances, even deception. That's what the pride of life looks like. When we come in here and we... Pose. We were talking about posers a couple weeks ago. When we come here and we pose as Christians, when our life is a shamble and our lives don't match up with our talk. And to get the idea of how the world works, think of commercials. That's how the world works for you. You can look at them. They probably make a powerful appeal to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They appeal to that because they know that sells. They make you think that you need this to be happy. You need this to have a great body. You need this, blah, blah. You need this for that. Whatever it is. You need it. And they make you think you need it. Sometimes they appeal to one. But most of the times, the most successful ads, they appeal to all three. They appeal to all three. And we're suckers for them every time. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. So David begins down this dark path. Why? Well, first and foremost, for him to have this many wives was against God's command. He broke God's commandment in Deuteronomy 17, 17. In Deuteronomy 17, 17, 
The Lord specifically said kings were not allowed to have horses, gold, or multiplying wives. They were not allowed to have that. It seemed like polygamy was accepted by the Israelis, by the, by the culture, but it wasn't what God wanted. But David sinned against God because he took more wives than he was supposed to. He had six wives and six sons, all by different wives. He had all these things. He was taking wives and women into his harem. He continually to take them in. If you remember correctly, he even asked for his former wife, Michael. He asked for her to come in. And this shows that David went against God's commandment. Also, he went against God's will because God's will is for one man, one woman. Jesus speaks about this in Matthew 19. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one, one flesh, one man, one woman. This was not God's design. Polygamy was not God's design. God didn't design marriage that way. So we see these flaws now appearing in David's character yet again. If you remember, back in 1 Samuel, he had a propensity to lie. And now he's being tempted by women. But even through this all, David had a heart towards God. Even in the midst of all this. And, you know, sometimes we like to compare ourselves to David. And we say, I didn't sin as badly as they did. I'm not too bad. Look how badly they did. But we shouldn't look at it this way. Instead, we should say things like, I never killed a giant. Am I laying down my life for the Lord? Am I writing sonnets and psalms about the Lord's goodness and grace? Am I dancing before the Lord? Am I a warrior for the Lord? We must examine ourselves and ask, just how strong is my passion for the Lord? See, I shouldn't worry about someone else's sin. I should worry about myself and the Lord himself. Me and him. And I love Psalm 27 because it shows David's true heart. In Psalm 27, specifically verse 4, it shows David's true heart. David writes, One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Wow, I love that. I love that. We see this is David's true passion. David wished that he could live in the tabernacle. You know, when I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking of Peter. It wasn't wrong for Peter to say, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We should build a, ta a, a tabernacle for you, for Elijah and Moses. I'm sure it was great for Peter to be there. I'm sure being in the presence of the Lord and those two guys is like, wow. Peter was going, I can't stand it. It's good for us to be here. Let me build these things. But he was thinking wrongly. But David wanted to be surrounded by the presence of God daily. And I think we need to have that too. We need to have that desire to be surrounded by God daily. We want God's presence daily. And guess what, folks? You have it. It's called the Holy Spirit. When you were born again, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. And your presence there daily. David knew that there was beauty in nature and the presence of God. Beauty that could be perceived by the eye seeking faith. He could think of no greater occupation than to fill his mind and his heart with the goodness and greatness of God. Imagine that. David could think of no greater occupation than to fill his heart with the goodness and greatness of God. I tell you what, if that becomes your passion, oh boy, look out. What God will do with you. What God will do with you. There is richness in God 
and it is revealed to the seeking heart. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's a shame that David would know God under the old covenant. He knows God under the old covenant. Imagine how much greater we are, how much more beneficial it is to us now in the new covenant. Like I said, David did have the Holy Spirit, but when we were born again, the Holy Spirit was given to us. And not only given to us, but we're told to come boldly into the throne room. We're told to come boldly into the throne room and present your request. How sad for those who don't know that. One commentator I studied said this, quote, in God's presence, David wished to go from contemplation to inquiry. He wanted to know more of God and more of his ways. You wonder why David is a man after God's own heart? You wonder why David is a man after God's own heart? All he wanted was God. Woke up in the morning, he wanted God. In the middle of the day, he wanted God. Before he laid his head on his pillow, he wanted God. We have an opportunity to come boldly to God. David's down a dark path. And yes, he did make mistakes. And he is going to suffer bitterly. He is going to suffer bitterly. Don't idolize him. Don't think, oh, don't idolize him. Because let's look at the sons. Ammon, David's firstborn, is going to rape his half-sister Tamar and then be murdered by Tamar's full brother. That's one. Absalom is going to be killed as he tries to take the kingdom from his father, David. And even when David is on his deathbed, even in the last day, Adjaniah is going to try to take the, the, the throne by force, and David's son Solomon kills him. There's consequences for the actions that they take. And I think that David was a man after God's own heart. He knew the consequences were coming, and he accepted them as God's will. And he continued to praise the Lord, even in the midst of the consequences, even in the midst of the sorrow. Even in the midst of the hard times. Yes, David sinned greatly. And we can see the beginning of his downfall that led to this ultimate sin with Bathsheba and killing of her husband Uriah. But even though David would suffer great consequences because of his sin, he never lost his passion for God. He never lost his passion for God. He didn't say, well, I'm in at this mark. I might as well go much more into it. He never lost his passion to God. He kept on coming back to God. He kept on coming back. How and where did this passion come from? Where did David get this passion for God? Well, I think he got it tending sheep. I think he got it tending sheep out there looking at the sheep, and all of a sudden he was looking at nature, and all of a sudden he was communing with God. Communing with God, speaking to God, and seeing God's goodness in, in, in the sheep, and seeing himself as a sheep. David saw himself as one of God's sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, that, you know, Psalm 23, David saw himself in that vein. And I think it was important that during the time he spent with God, he prayed, he listened to God's voice. And many of us are so quick to pray. Oh, I got to pray. I got to pray. And you say this wonderful, beautiful, flowery, wonderful prayer, and you close the door and run away. And God's going, don't I get a chance to talk? It, would you allow me to speak once in a while? David spent time with God, and as he drew close to God, God drew close to him. Isn't that scripture? Draw nigh to God, and God will draw nigh to you, close to you. God comes to David. God comes to him and speaks to him, and David responds to God's goodness. 
He responds to God's call upon his life. What was God's call upon David's life? First and foremost, to fellowship with David. I've said this a million times. God's call upon your life is to fellowship with him. He wants that more than anything. He wants your fellowship with him. And this is what God wants for most of us. But sadly, so many of us are in what we have to do for God. We got to do service. We got to witness. We got to help others. We got to do these. Now, all these are great things. All these are wonderful things, but they should be responding out of the love that God has for you. It's a response. You're responding to what God has given to you. These are great. But if your relationship with God suffers because you're too busy witnessing, you're too busy helping others, you're too busy doing this and doing back, you're wrong. You're wrong. First God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all the other things will be added. It's God first. God first. And so we're all so quickly, so, and I, you know, and I'm speaking to myself here. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm talking to myself. We're so quick to put the Bible down and run and help somebody, which is a good thing. But why are we doing it? Will God love me better because I've helped this person in need? No. Yeah, like Martha and Mary. Mary has chosen a better spot because she sat at Jesus' feet. Martha was too busy in the kitchen running around trying to do things to serve her master, and she even came out and railed at, at, at Mary. and Jesus, Master, tell her to come up and help me in the kitchen. No, Mary's chosen the better spot. Chosen the better spot. There's a, a scripture that bothers me. There's a scripture that bothers me, and it makes my blood run cold, and it gives me chills up and down my spine. And it can be found in Luke 7, 23. Jesus is speaking. And all these people are up like that. And they say, haven't I cast out demons in your name? Haven't I did this in your name? Haven't I done that in your name? Haven't I done that? And Jesus' words are horrifying to me. They are horrifying to me because he says, depart from me, I never knew you. But Lord, I did these things for you. I did this, I did that. Depart from me, I never knew you. What is he saying? We never had fellowship together. You never spent time with me. Yes, you did those great things. And don't get me wrong, those are great things. Witnessing, service, those guys, they're great things. But man, if you're not built up in the Lord, who are you doing it for and why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? You're going to go up to the Lord and we're going to come before the beam of seat of Christ and he's going to show you all these things and all of a sudden, poof, wood, hay, and stubble. They'll be burned up, gone. Because you didn't do it with the right heart. Oh, but to hear those words depart from me, I never knew you. Oh, oh my. Why did you do it? I did it for your glory. No, no, you didn't. You did it for your glory. You did it for a pat on the back. I was seeking attention for me. That's right. You weren't giving glory to God's name. You are Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through 2 Samuel when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes 
Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His own Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. If you're not able to join us in person, we are streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just follow the link you'll find at AssureHopeRadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on Assure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover God doing great things in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of Assure Hope.